Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hello, this is Mark Homer for Mark My Words. I get asked by a lot of my listeners where they're going to find the money from for their projects. Clearly, there are lots of projects out there that require cash. Um, you can get some bank borrowing, um, but you know some of the bigger projects require a, a lot of cash. So, you know, where do you find this money from? The first thing I'm going to talk about is private money lending. Um, I've done this in the past, and there are lots of individuals out there who are interested in lending money or having a, a stake in a project and those individuals will likely um, take interest or, or a share um, of, um, of the project. If they're taking a share there are certain regulations you need to be cognizant of, um, FCA 13.3 and you need to, to make sure they're sophisticated or high net worth. So I prefer generally just to borrow money from people uh, because it, uh, it gets around a lot of those issues. So who are private investors? What are they? Where do you find them? Well, private investors are just normal people like you and me who've got retirement accounts or, I don't know, maybe they've got uh, disposable income, maybe savings accounts they're earning 1% on, uh, and they want to do something with that money. They're not, not getting any return. So in, in most of those cases, they're, they're, they're actually not necessarily seeking actively seeking new investment vehicles but you know they're, they're, they're sort of a bit myth that they're only getting half a percent in the bank um, and everything else that they look at they, they think is risky or the papers say it's no good or, 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 or whatever so they're, they're not necessarily putting their hand up and saying I want to invest money but lots of them aren't getting a good return. The key to these people if you approach them and you know, you start networking them, uh, networking with them about offering them a, a better opportunity to invest their money. Um, you know, the, the, the key to it is a relationship and them building trust in you, your story, and you know what it is you're able to offer. So most of these guys will want to see um, some sort of track record. So if I've done a, a deal like this before, if I've 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 gone and found private investors. I'll generally bring them to Peterborough. I'll drive them around projects that I've done or I'm doing, and I'll let them see exactly how these projects have, have made money, you know, and 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 what and 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 where these projects are, and you know, show them the numbers behind you know projects that I've done previously, and then show them some potential new projects that I could do with them. Because the thing about private investors is. Um, they may not have that much experience in investing in property or, or investing in other asset vehicles. But they get quite excited about the learning opportunity that they could get from, you know, investing in a project, you know, that you're doing. And you could do regular tours with them as the project is progressing so that they get to see how the project's put together, what work goes into it. Um, and you know, with time they could learn how to do that themselves. So usually, as long as you've got a solid plan, there are lots of these people are more than willing to listen to you, want to come around, want to have a look, um, and usually want to get involved and understand how to develop big buildings or, or develop properties because 
you know, property is on the tip of, of most people's tongues. It's a very British thing. Uh, people love investing in property and, and believe it can make you, uh, make you wealthy. So it's about filtering the ones who have that interest in, in property or in, in development and, you know, against those who don't. Clearly, those who don't can be good in a way because they're passive and they won't necessarily want to invest. And that can be good because, you know, it's like a silent partner. And if you have a silent partner, you're not going to have to go into too much detail with them on a, a daily basis once the deal's done uh, because they're, they're likely to be more passive, which could be um, of benefit. But if you filter those people out, um, you know, and you, you know whether they're looking to be more active or, or more passive, you can generally work out which projects they're going to be good for and whether they're going to work for you as an individual or not, because that's very, very important. Clearly, you've got to be able to get on with this person over the, the medium to long term. You've got to have a good relationship. You've got to trust and like them. And they're, they're very important things um, to create a good JV over the, over the long term. So filtering them is, is, is probably down to um, finding them in, in different locations. So you may find some of these investors at property networking events. You may go to some of the big sort of private equity invest events in London, like Bu London Business Angels, um, or you may find them from non-property circles or non-business circles like, you know, you might find family, you might find friends, um, you might find other business people in your local area, maybe a local business breakfast club or a business networking uh, event. Um, all of those types of, of, of sort of non-property people may be more passive, may not want to get so involved, but the, the, the people from the property circles are likely to want to get involved and, you know, they're the people that you're going to give a bit of knowledge to, you know, hold the hand a little bit along the way so that they, um, so that they end up getting something out of the investment which is not just monetary, i.e. they get to learn. So it's working out what they want early on and effectively giving them, structuring them something which fits with their, their wants and needs so that they, um, so they get something good out of the project. Another way to borrow money for your projects is to go and see a development lender who will put more of the money in. So a couple of those that have appeared on the scene in the last few years would be Zorin Finance or BLG. Those two lenders have certainly um, entered the market and they are doing a lot of a lot of business at more like 80% loan to cost. So whereas your normal sort of high street banks might do 60-65%, the likes of, of Zorin may go up to, to 80. Um, and um, you know they these kind of lenders they're they're a sort of bridging stroke development type funder um, which allow you to put less of the money in. Clearly their rates are much much higher. Um, you're going to be looking at, at loans um, in excess of 9, 10, 11%. So the, the cost of, of obtaining these loans is much, much higher. And um, you're going to be in a situation where um, you're going to end up with, with less of the profit at the end. But you'll have end, you've put less of the money in in the first place. So your risk is lower and, and you know perhaps your return on capital is, is still very, very good. So they can be uh, a good option. Um, other... More traditional lenders might be like Lloyd's. Um, they're good for development. Uh, I've used them before. Metro Bank is also good. They'll do development loans, generally around 60-65% loan to cost. Um, and you know their rates are much, much lower. They're more like 5%, something like that. Um, they'll be probably 
uh, a little bit slower, a little bit slower at getting started and getting the money out there. But um, they they can be definitely you know good for for for, for, for larger scale projects as well. Um, RBS are back in the market. Clearly, some of the uh, the hit their history from the previous recession wasn't great. Uh, lots of people won't want to use them um, because of the way they pulled you know some of the money back and and the scandals they've been involved with. But um, you know they are a big lender and they are back on the scene and they're lending at similar sort of rates to um, to say Lloyd's and, and Metro Bank. Um, so they're three sort of major clearing banks with. Um, a, a reputation and, and you know, a, a, a clearly back in the market, doing lots of lending in this in this way for developments. Um, or if you if you're looking more on a, a long-term income basis, so you're you're not looking to develop a building, but you're just looking to take income from it, and the rent has started. Well, those kind of lenders can be good as well, and they'll do commercial loans, um, maybe around 60% loan to value. Uh, and the interest rate can come down to three, three and a half percent. I find if if the deal is bigger, so can be good for all those. Um, the, the the clearing banks can be good for those, and the uh, for development, the likes of BLG or Zorin can be very good at higher loan to values and higher um, higher interest rates, much higher interest rates. You maybe just decide to get a 50/50 JV partner, maybe a business partner who puts as much effort and time into the deal, maybe brings a different set of experience to the deal. And if you find somebody like that, well, you know, you're clearly going to have some sort of split with them. Uh, they're going to have a percentage of the deal and, and put a certain amount in, and you're going to have a, a percentage of the deal and, and put a certain amount in. Um, that can certainly reduce the amount of money that you need to put in. Um, lots of banks will still lend on that basis. That's not an issue. Um, if they put 100% of the money in and you, you had somebody who was more passive, um, most of the commercial lenders I talk to are still happy to lend. Um, you know, you can be fully transparent with them. You set up a limited company normally um, and you're, you're just shareholders, um, you know, based on the shareholding that you've, you've agreed uh, prior to doing the deal. So, so, so a more active business partner with some experience um, who's, who's going to spend time and add value to the project can also be beneficial. Get to know them first though, any of these people. You know, spend a few months getting to know them, be around them, um, see how they operate, see what goes well, see what doesn't go well, and just see if you get on as people. See if you like and, and, and trust and, and um, you know, you have similar values to, to these individuals. It's very, very important before you go into a JV to, to ascertain whether you, you know, your, your values are aligned or, or not. And, you know, if they're not, it's, going to be quite a difficult JV and you, you maybe need to move on and, and go and do something else. An important facet to creating any of these JVs or, or, or money lending or, or, or finding um, some a business partner or somebody to work with is to have the correct agreements in place. I get asked a lot by lots of different investors, oh do you have a standard JV agreement which I can use to um, you know to, to bring somebody on board and my my answer is almost always no. Um, every single deal that you do is different, um, and it's quite important that you um, that you, you you agree with your JV partner or your business partner what exactly it is you're looking to do, what they're going to provide, what you're going to provide. Then you need to get it down on a heads of terms or a piece of paper. 
then you need to get a, a good solicitor in there to, to write up uh, a document, usually a shareholders agreement, which, which basically says what everybody's going to do in the deal. So, you know, you, you purchase the land or the building into a company and typically the solicitor will write a shareholders agreement up to, to explain exactly what everybody's going to do in the deal and how it's all going to run. Um, I can recommend a solicitor who can do this for you. Um, it's important that you, you use a good solicitor. Um, I can recommend Andrew Healer at Hegarty. That's Andrew Healer at Hegarty. And uh, you know, he can come in and uh, look at a project. Um, you, know, you, you, you need to go through in detail who's putting what money in, what everybody's responsible for, what happens if it goes wrong, what happens if there are losses, who, who incurs the losses, um, you know, what, what, what happens if the market turns. All of this stuff needs to go in the shareholders agreement up front um, and, um, you know, and, and then you, you can both become directors in the company um, and that, that usually would, would protect the parties. He may also say if you're putting some money in that you put a charge on the building or a charge on some other buildings. Um, you know, which is going to be important for some of the larger scale projects. Um, alternatively, there may be some form of other JV agreement which you have with your, your, um, your shareholders. Um, there could be um, uh, maybe an option agreement, maybe they just loan you money and if they're loaning you money maybe you just have a loan agreement and maybe they have a charge on, on, on the building you're developing or another building. Um, that's that's relatively straightforward. Again, Andrew can organise that for you. Uh, your investors are likely to want uh, one or all of those things, so it's, it's a good good idea to, to preempt it. So, how are you going to attract people to lend you money or go into deals with you? Well, well, clearly you've got to have experience and you've got to have had a good track record of of doing these sort of deals yourself. But once you're in that position, people need to know about you. They need to be able to see you. They need to be able to interact with you. And a good way to do that is to set your own event up. Um, we have PPNs running up and down the country. Uh, and lots of the hosts of the PPNs are doing deals. It's a good way to meet people. It's a good way to interact. And, and people get to, to know you over a period of time and then to trust you and you know maybe do a deal with you. So... Um, those kind of events can be very good for cementing the, the, the relationship and moving you on a level in terms of um, social proof and in, in terms of making yourself um, that, that person in a authority you know, who, who's able to, to do these deals. Um, so lots of people would, would set an event up or maybe they do a live presentation showing people what they've done, how their deals have worked in the past, um, talk about the issues, you know, how they're not getting much interest from from banks and, and, and different places and how you're able to change that with, with you know, what it is you're, you're doing. So clearly these things need working on over time and, and building up. Your brand is very, very important. As you build your brand over a period of time and, and, and gain that social proof and that history and that track record of deals and people see you more and more and there's, there's marketing and maybe you, you write a book and you you develop other areas of your, your business so that you're more visible, you're going to be more and more investable. People are going to be happier about going into deals with you. They're going to have seen you, you know, more places. If you've heard of the seven-time convincer, that's very important. People need to see you, touch you, feel you seven times and, until they you know, feel like they know you or trust you and, and want to start going into deals with you. 
So over a period of time, you really want to work on, on getting that, that social proof and that presence um, up so that you're, you're able to, to get into that space and, and, and start doing deals with people. So Peter Jones is the, the new host of the Progressive Property Podcast. Um, very exciting. He's a, he's a really experienced buy to let investor. He's got over 70 properties himself. He's a, he's a Rick surveyor. So he's, he's, you know, he's a really grounded, a, a clever bloke and a really nice bloke. Um, he's the host, um, so watch out for it. Um, hope you've enjoyed that podcast on how to raise money uh, and, and, and then how to, to sort of manage that money into deals afterwards. Uh, that's been Mark Homer for Mark My Words.